I want to say a word of thanks to the men's choral group. There's no music like a men's choral group. Uh, I was part of one for a good number of years, and you make me long for the old days, gentlemen. Uh, so sweet. In particular, the Navy hymn that was sung, Eternal Father, Strong to Save, whose arm hath bound the restless wave, who bids the mighty ocean deep its own appointed limits keep. Oh, hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. Been singing that for years and years. So as you see, I'm in uniform. I'm glad to pull it out. Uh, it, it comes out every so often. Uh, I served uh, for 20 years in the Navy and also in the Marine Corps. And uh, I put on a uniform later in life, but uh, wasn't through then. After 20 years of service, came right here to Loma Linda and have uh, served at the VA hospital for 15 years. And uh, boy, oh boy, it goes fast. There is a saying in the Navy that uh, join the Navy, see the world, and boy, that has proven true in my case. Uh, you never know where you're gonna be sent. So started on the East Coast, came to the West Coast, was stationed in mid-America, then had the opportunity to do ministry in Central America and South America and the Caribbean, then got on a ship, most of the European countries over there, the Near East, Africa, Egypt, the Middle East, Israel, Turkey, the Far East, Korea, Japan, and then uh, for a whole year uh, in uh, Diego Garcia in the Indian Ocean after 9-11. Never heard of that place, but boy, oh boy, was that hopping. They were all searching for Osama bin Laden there. There was the Australians and the British and the Americans, the Navy and the Air Force, all teaming and partnering together. This place was so far away from everything that there was a sign at the tip of this volcano that was one feet above sea level. And the sign at the end, of, uh, the end of the island said, this isn't the end of the world, but you can see it from here. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, uh, that was a place of service. Um, and from there, in the skies over Afghanistan, the sands of Oman, uh, on various types of platforms, carriers, cruisers, destroyers, submarines, in the air and roto helicopters, fixed wing, my oh my. And uh, this involves sacrifice. There is sacrifice for those who have served in uniform. It's being away from family for long periods of time. Uh, I didn't know my youngest daughter was here in the first service. I would have pointed it out. Even missed her birth because I was out at sea. And it just seems so unnatural to be getting on a Navy ship at 0430 in the morning with my wife this pregnant, thinking I'm not coming back until this baby is born. Something very unnatural about that, but it happens all the time. It's called sacrifice and service. Uh, uh, <sighs> there is a saying, uh, uh, there it is. <laughs> Navy wife, you know, we go out and do our thing. We in uniform, not just in the Navy, but in the Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, and Marine Corps. Uh, but it says this, Navy wife, toughest job in the Navy. Imagine caring for all these kids at home, as she did and as she does. There were three of them. That's after a six-month deployment. Uh, <laughs> those were the days, huh? But imagine caring for three and then a fourth after I was gone for 12 months. 
I almost did not get into the Navy because of stupid things I did when I was a teenager. Anybody ever do stupid things when you're a teenager? I did some really, really foolish things that actually prevented my service, but in the providence of God, there was a high-ranking officer in one of my congregations who made an appeal to a two-star admiral that allowed me to be able to put on a uniform. And in the providence of God, I was able to serve in the addictions community. Of all things, God can use mistakes that you've made and redeem them in a way that they can be useful in the kingdom of heaven. That was certainly my story. Not only can God use your own mistakes, and there are plenty, if we were to take an offering up and you could put all your mistakes in there, you think we'd get a little offering? Or the still silly, dumb things all of us have done? God can use those and redeem them. And also, he can and does use the mistakes of others. How can this be happening to me? It is written, you remember, that all things do work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. How is God using this? I don't know. What I, what I do now, said the Savior, thou knowest not. Do you remember John 13? But hereafter, thou shalt know. We will know. So, um, uh, no time to go through all these things. I was going to give you a big quiz. I'm just going to uh, I'm just going to say, yes, the head of the ship is called the bow, and the right side is called what? Starboard, starboard. You know, the Navy has uh, a floor, but they don't call it a floor. What do they call it? A deck. And what's the ceiling called? Overhead. The, the walls are called, not the walls, but the bulkhead. And you sleep, you sleep not in a bed, but in a, in a rack, in a rack. Now, uh, on Navy uh, vessels, they have bathrooms, but they're not called bathrooms. They're called the head. And the reason, very quickly, a nice little fun fact, they're called the head, because back in the days of sailing ships, they had no pipes, they had no running waters, but people had to go. You got to go, you got to go. Where do you go? Well, they went to the head of the ship. They went to the bow of the ship. And in the bow of most ships, there was a nice little place where you could sit yourself in a comfortable way as the ship rocked back and forth. You could do your business. And everything went down. It was nice and clean because the waves cleared off everything. <laughs> it was in the head of the ship. I got to go. Go to the head of the ship. And also, it had a secondary uh, benefit, and that benefit was they were sailing ships, so the wind was always behind, blowing the odor away. <laughs> so uh, there it is, uh, the head. Now, I want to tell you about uh, numbers quickly here. There are 332 million citizens in our country, and as of today, there are 19 million veterans, people who are alive today who have served in uniform. That represents about 7% of the population. You know some veterans. We've seen them here. The oldest vets are from World War II, and they are dying at an astounding rate, about 1,600 a day, World War II vets. The youngest of the World War II vets is 96 years of age. That means if you were 17 in 1945 and caught the last few weeks of World War II, you are that age. Uh, the youngest veterans are those uh, who've taken off a uniform who perhaps have been uh, injured uh, from Afghanistan and Iraq, only 18 years of age. And just so you know, uh, there are 
1,300,000 on active duty today. So the branches are what? Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. What else? Coast Guard, Space Force, Space Force. And the Merchant Marines have sometimes been co-opted uh, co into service as well. So I want to uh, give a little education regarding the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. There are 13 federal holidays, two are devoted to veterans. The first is Memorial Day, the end of May. Memorial Day is designed to honor those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice, those who have died in uniform. Uh, and their number is, is legion. There are uh, 630,000 individuals who have uh, died in uniform uh, since World War II. That's just since World War II. And twice to three times as many who have come back from having served with visible and invisible wounds. That is an enormous number. The majority came back and uh, led, went on to lead productive lives. Uh, so that is Memorial Day in honor of those who, who are no longer with us. Veterans Day, which is today, um, had its beginning at the end of World War I. It was called Armistice Day. For those of you who know your history, the armistice ending World War I, the war to end all wars, so it was said. Unfortunately, that did not prove to be the case. That was signed on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, and the year was 1918. So uh, it was Armistice Day until uh, 1953 when it was changed to be Veterans Day. And this day is designed to honor those who have ever worn the uniform, as I mentioned, 19 million uh, strong. So then, uh, who are these people? Who are these people that put on a uniform? Well, they're just like us. They are friends and neighbors. There are even those amongst us who have served in uniform. And there's such a variety, I mean, it is quite remarkable. They come from the north, the south, the east, and from the west, different ethnicities, different religious backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds. You've got, oh my, Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, uh, Hindus. Uh, you've got atheists, agnostics, people who believe a lot and people don't believe in much of anything. Talk about different political persuasions in uniform. You've got the Democrats, the Republicans, the Independents, the Conservatives, the Liberals, and everything else in between. So many differences. But there's one thing every single veteran has in common. One thing that unites all veterans, and you know what that is? It is the oath of office. If you know anybody who has ever worn a uniform, you can ask them, did you take an oath of office? And that oath is, is something, if they, if they can remember, which they should, <laughs> uh, it goes like this. I state your name, do solemnly swear or affirm to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to bear true allegiance to the same, to obey the orders of the President of the United States and the officers appointed over me. And what else? <laughs> According to the regulations of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, so help me God. This is the oath that every single 
military person takes. And I want you to note that this oath is not to a person, it is not to a political party, it is not to a political ideology, it is to a document. And what is that document? It's the Constitution. The Constitution, the swearing of allegiance to support and defend is to the document. In fact, there are three important documents in the history of our country that I want to say something about. Um, the, the three documents are the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and the Bill of Rights, which is part of the Constitution. In the Declaration of Independence, we read, what do we read? We read that. <laughs> you remember these words? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that God, that all men were created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. You have to think about this. This is a political document with religious language. It talks about a creator and how all of our rights, what rights, the inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, come not from any government, or, uh, but they come from God himself. They come from a creator. That is really something if you think about that. And it affects us, and not only does that affect us, what is in what's called the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment. You've heard people say, I got my rights. Well, this is one of them. Congress shall make no law uh, respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise of. The reason we're able to assemble in a place like this is because the freedom of religious expression, we can gather. It is not the same thing in all countries, folks. There is suppression that is out there far more than any of us have any idea of. If you've got a sore knee, well, if your knees work fine, they work fine, but if you've got a sore knee, oh boy, you didn't even know uh, you didn't appreciate your good work in knee or your eyes or your ear or everything else on until it doesn't work. When privileges like this may be taken away, we will all of a sudden realize, hey, we had it so good, we don't even realize how good we had it. And we have it good because we have the freedom of expression. And, uh, and uh, we also have something else in order to back it up. The Constitution calls for a standing militia, an army and a navy, to defend these rights. If our rights, if your rights are impinged, some things are worth going into harm's way. What? To defend these principles of worthy are so lofty and so high, they are worthy of defending, of even going into harm's way. And uh, we, uh, we, we don't like to see that, but sometimes we have been called to do that. So the mission of everybody in uniform, no matter what, is to support and to defend the document the Constitution against all enemies. So everybody takes the oath, that's the mission, but the service is different. In the military, they have these things called MOSs, Military Operating Specialists, and you have everything from soup to nuts when it comes to uh, jobs. P most people think you're in the military, you're either carrying a weapon and shooting, or you're driving a tank or a ship, or you're an aviator, 
Well, they have and need very much clerks and cooks and medics and plumbers and electricians and every possible thing. They even have musicians, military musicians. And we need them, and they're wonderful. <laughs> they have clerks and they have accountants and everything. You, but all of these people, even though they have their jobs, if you ask them, what's your mission, Marine? Even if they're blowing a trumpet, my mission is to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So sometimes we say, thank you for your service. And uh, I think it's, a, it's appropriate to say thank you because service to country is good. It is, um, it is laudable. Uh, service to country is noble. But I have to tell you, um, this too shall pass, folks. It's like some t one time at church, they had uh, the pastor couldn't think of anything to say, and he says, "All right, let's everybody, let's everybody give our favorite Bible verse." And so one fellow in the back stood up and say, uh, said something like, uh, "And it came to pass," he said. That's my that's your favorite Bible verse. And it came to pass. He says, well, brother, say a little bit more of that. He says, when I'm going through struggles and I don't know what's going to happen in the future, I say to myself, this is not here to stay. It's going to come to pass, see? <laughs> and so it is. All the troubles, all the struggles, in fact, all the countries. You may belong to country A, your citizenship may be in country A, B, C, or D. But the truth is, no matter where you come from, the kingdoms of this world will go away. We are going to sing the Messiah in all probability in just a couple of weeks. And you remember that one verse that says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God, and he shall reign forever and ever. This is the heritage of planet Earth. Everything is going to be uh, burned up. And the truth is that our true citizenship, folks, even though it is precious and good that we enjoy so many freedoms and privileges here now, our true citizenship is in another place, in another land, a much better place, a much better land. The truth is we are all strangers and exiles. We're just a passing through, you see. Our home, and thank you for that reading, is our heavenly home, our heavenly home. You remember the song we sometimes sing, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. It happens really fast. All of a sudden, you get, so, uh, you get some gray hair, and all of a sudden, you're 30s, and you're in your 40s, and then you're in your 70s and 80s. It passes so fast. If you don't believe that, talk to someone who's got some gray hair and ask, how long did it take to get there? And they'll say to you, not long, <laughs> not long, not long. So we are strangers and exiles, and we are citizens of a better country. And that citizen, that country, I should say, has a commander and a king. And guess what, folks? It is not other than the lamb. In fact, the words are used in Scripture describing Jesus. They're military terms. He is the captain of our salvation, so says the writer of Hebrews. He is the commander of the heavenly host. He is a king, isn't he? We refer to him as King Jesus, and we are his subjects, and he is our 
master, and yet his is a different sort of mastership. His kingdom is built on something so beautiful, something so wonderful. About the Lord Christ, it says, he took upon himself the form of a servant. He himself said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He came to serve, to give his life as a ransom. And uh, in the end, he will say to his faithful ones, well done, good and faithful servants. We are his servants. He is the greatest servant. Uh, not only is he a servant, the Bible pictures him in a dual role. It pictures him as the meek and mild Jesus, the lamb slain from the foundation. But it also pictures him as a lion, as a fierce fighter. It pictures him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. In fact, of all things, the first time we read about war ever happening, guess where it happened? What? There was war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fight, fought against Satan and his angels. Many theologians believe this same Michael, whose name means Michael in Hebrew, who is as God or in the likeness of God, that Michael, the ruler of the, of the heavenly forces, was the one and the same who would later come as a tiny little embryo. This commander, this one in whom all power rests, becomes, again from Hebrews, a body thou hast prepared for me. This infinite one becomes as a little child. He, he, he is birthed to a virgin, uh, to a virgin, and um, from birth to death, from the beginning to the end, he lives as the spotless one. Never a mistake, never a bad thought, never a bad word, never a bad action that was outside of the will of God. He did all things well. How many of us can say that? Well, I do a couple of things well every now and again. He did all things well, never anything but that God himself would have done. If God himself could have come as a human being, which he did in the person of Christ, and he stands up one day and he, in front of a multitude and he said, which of you convicts me of sin? Can you imagine if any one of us stood up there? If I said to you, which one of you convicts me of sin? My wife, who knows me best, she would raise her hand and she would say, I know this, that, and the other about him. And we only see on the outside, but uh, God knows all things. Uh, but he was the only one who did all things well. And the beautiful thing that the scripture teaches that this servant God, this one in whom all power rests, he takes upon himself, not his own guilt, but the guilt of whosoever will. He takes upon himself the guilt of humanity. He who knew no sin became sin for us 
in order that we might become the righteousness of God. Can you believe it? He was treated, though he had no sin, as if he did all sin. He was, so in order that we might, we who have nothing but sin, <laughs> might be treated as if we are righteous. There's the beautiful, the beautiful um, offer that comes to us from Scripture. Um, and this is how citizenship comes in the kingdom of heaven. It comes by accepting and embracing the gift of salvation. He who believes, it is written, has life. It's not that you will, but you have it. We have it if we embrace all that he has done and believe that it was done for me, that whosoever will. Christianity, I believe, is the only religion where the verdict of the judgment of the end time is given at the beginning, not at the end. In other words, you don't have to do this, that, and the other, and if you do it, good, 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 good enough, then maybe you could hop over at the end. No, it comes at the beginning, at the beginning. You remember Jesus invited Zacchaeus over? He invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, go clean your house up before I come. And, and by your, by, while you're at it, take a bath yourself. And make sure everything is clean and shiny and nice. He didn't say that. He said, I'm coming to your house today. And so it is that Christ the Lord comes to us. While we're yet sinners, it is written, Christ died for us in the moment we receive. And so uh, we have the gift. So our allegiance, when it comes right down to it, is more than to a flag, more than to an individual country. It's an allegiance to a person. The allegiance that men in uniform and women in uniform have is to a document. Ours is to a person. It is to a person. And once we embrace, we receive that gift. Somebody once wrote, when God gives his gifts, he doesn't give them with one hand. The Father doesn't just give us the Son. Guess who else he gives us? The Spirit. And in the Spirit, he gives us gifts. We have gifts that God uses for the building up of the body. And we have a mission. We who are in the body of Christ, and the mission is right up there. Do you see it in the stained glass behind me? It is the great commission that we are to use our, influ uh, our influence for the promulgation of the gospel. So if someone asks you, hey, Christian, hey, believer, what is your mission? You know what your mission is? There it is, the promulgation of the gospel. But someone says, me, do the gospel? I couldn't get up and give a talk. I'm nervous, too, up here giving a talk. But God doesn't ask you to do anything that he doesn't equip you to do. And so if God equips you to do something, that's what you're to do. In fact, if you are not doing it, you're missing out on a great blessing. Uh, you remember uh, it says Christ is the head of the body, and just as the body has so many different parts, so the body of Christ has so many different parts. There is a work for you to do that needs to be done, and that work will be a blessing not only to those who receive the benefit of that work, but for you as well. I gotta tell you, folks, I was asked to do a job, and I thought, I can't do that job. About a month and a half ago, I got a call from one of the pastors that said, we want you to be the chairman of the nominating committee. I said, what? Chairman, and I don't know anybody here. I mean, I do, but look around. How many people don't you know? 
I was so happy to see on the nominating committee, over half the people said the same thing. I don't know enough people here. And then we went through, and we saw that there are literally hundreds of jobs to fill. And some of the jobs you never even see. They happen in the background. They're so important. But we only see the people up in front. That's a small part of what happens here. Um, it says in, in Corinthians that the lesser parts of the body are, are the most indispensable. The lesser parts of the body of Christ, it seems, are the ones that, uh, that are so very important. Uh, Martin Luther King, uh, one time, is that gonna come out? Look at that, it's got something. I'll tell you what it says. Martin Luther King was preaching a sermon once about the value of work, working in behalf of the master, we who are servants of the master. And he said in his thundering voice, if God has called you to be a street sweeper, then sweep that street like Michelangelo painted. Uh, sweep that street like Shakespeare wrote. Sweep that street so that it will be said in the courts of heaven, here was a good street sweeper. <laughs> if God has called you to whatever labor he has called you, and he has called you and me, you're missing out on a blessing if you don't do it. Get involved. You will be blessed, and those you serve will be blessed and the kingdom of heaven will prosper. And you don't need a church office to get involved. All right, that's my little speech. I end by saying this. <clears throat> Whatever we do, we who are servants of the king, who is the greatest servant of all, whatever it is we do, we do as a labor of love. We do in response to what he has done. We love because he first loved. We do because he has done. And we do a little. He has done all things well. I would not work my soul to save, for that the Lord hath done. But I would work like any slave for love of God's dear son. That's the way it works. We do what we do in response to the one who has done all things, who invites us to be citizens of this eternal kingdom. And at the rate time is going, it won't be long until we are together with each other and with those through the ages who have bowed in submission to the greatest king, to the greatest servant of all, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Let us say together, amen.